morning. Thanks. Have you ever uh, found yourself in a situation where you just were clearly in the dark about something? Like you show up and you realize like, oh, I must not have gotten the memo on this. Uh, Ten years ago, my brother and my sister and I, we were planning a trip to go out to New York City to see our uncle. And we thought, we thought it'd be so fun if we could catch like a live taping of some show while we were out there. So we researched and looked into like what show might be playing on the day that we had open. And the only show that we could find was the Dr. Oz show. None of us really watched Dr. Oz, but we're like, meh, why not? Like, let's, let's try it. It'll be fun. So we, have to, we email in to the show. You have to email in to get tickets. And we get an email back, like, congratulations, you got tickets to the show. And in the email, it said, if you are interested in being on the show, you can email us back with like this information, blah, blah, blah. So obviously, my brother and my sister and I all emailed in. We were like, why not? Like, what are the odds of actually getting on the show, right? So we, we email back, but we don't hear anything. Well, it's like a week before we're going out to New York City, and I get a phone call. And it's this, it's this gal from the Dr. Oz show. And she's like, hey, Amanda, um, you know, we're really having trouble finding someone for this particular segment. We feel you'd be a great fit for it. We'll get you, your brother, and your sister backstage. There's hors d'oeuvres. We'll do your hair and makeup. And I'm pretty sure I interrupted her, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You said hors d'oeuvres, like, for sure. So we go out to New York City. It's the day of filming. We make our way to ABC Television Studios. We're like, what are we even doing? They get us backstage. We're eating the hors d'oeuvres, which are really good. Uh, they bring me back, do my hair and makeup, and it is literally moments before the show is about to start. And that is when this lady comes in, she sits down across from me, and she explains to me what's about to go down. Take a look. This is a salmon, obviously, of, of fish based as well, if you don't want to take it a supplement form. But this is probably the easiest way to do it, and it's inexpensive. Okay. okay. Perfect. Thank you. I feel bloated and gassy for a good chunk of every day. Please tell me something simple that I can do to relieve my discomfort. Indigestion, one in ten of us have it. Yeah, so throughout the day, I just, after I eat certain foods, I feel so bloated. And I often wonder if there's just something I could do to help with it. I've saved the best for last, but you got to trust me on this. Okay. okay. This is a 10-cent solution for indigestion. It's a yoga pose that actually is designed to deal with gas and bloat. It's called the wide squat. So sit down like you're going to go to the bathroom. This by itself takes care of any gas in your belly, by the way. You might want to stand back over there on the side. All right? That, you, you, you get down low. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. You're feeling sort of relaxed, like things might come out? Uh, no. No, no not that relaxed. Well, the moment will come eventually. And then what you want to do, in case you're having any issues, is add a little twist, literally. Twist to the side, left arm up, and that will squeegee out any gas that's left inside of you. So you will no longer feel bloating at all. While squatting, you can do this for a little while. Everything should be able to come out and relax you. Fair enough? Yes, thank you. <laughs> it actually does work. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, thanks. Wow. Um, my husband is so proud. 
He, you guys, it's so funny. He, yeah, bless his heart. I'm like, Chad, I get to show the Dr. Oz video. I finally found a way to work it into a message. And he's like, great. Uh, so, oh, man. Um, honestly, this is so funny. Yes, I think of that whenever I think of this clip. But really, the question I get when people see that or they find out about it, the first question is, what in the world were you thinking? Like, why would you do that? What is wrong with you? Why would you go on national television and tell everyone you're gassy all the time? <laughs> Which, P.S., for the record, I am not. I am not. I, probably, I just want to get that out of your mind so you're not thinking about that this whole time that I'm up here. I am not gassy. Uh, but why would you do that, you know? And I tell them it's because I didn't know that I was going to do that. Like, if I really would have had a moment to think about what, what I was actually going to be doing in a second, I, pro I don't know that I would have done it. I mean, now, in hindsight, because it's so funny, I, I actually would. But I really would have thought twice about it. But leading up to that time, that whole week in preparation of, like, not really having a clue of what was going on or what was about to go down, I just didn't know that that's what I was going to do. And so that's, that's why I did that. And... I think about that moment um, for many reasons, mostly because it is hilarious, but also because it's kind of sobering for me to think about just how unaware we can be at times. And as Christians specifically, I think about just how scary it is and sobering it is to think about the fact that we can actually go through our entire lives unaware of actually who we are and why we're here. It is entirely possible for us to reach the end of our lives and not really be sure what this was all about. And I don't want that for us today, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get really clear about those two things. We're going to really talk about who we are and why we're here. Because I want you to be able to leave this place today to be able to clearly say, this is who I am and this is why I'm here. And so that you can tell other people, this is who you are and this is why you're here. Because that's one of the main questions we have, right? As humans, as followers of Jesus, we wonder what really is our purpose? So we're gonna answer that this morning. So if you've been with us, we've been in the book of Colossians. And Colossians is really a letter that Paul wrote. Paul wrote this letter from prison, and he wrote it to followers of Jesus. And here we are in the end of Paul's letter. Mason just read the, the passage to us. And what's interesting to me is the end of this letter that Paul has. If you've written a letter, you've received a letter, you know that all of it is important. But the very end of a letter is sort of like extra important. It's kind of like we say, hey, if you didn't, if you're not going to remember what I just wrote, please remember this. Like this is really important. And at the end of Paul's letter, the very last instruction he gives is in verse 17 when he says, and say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. And I couldn't get past that because the Lord kept bringing me to this last instruction. And I'm like, well, why? Like, why, Lord? What do you have for us here? Like, 
Who's Archippus, first off, and why did Paul end with that? Why did he say it just to him? And what's the importance here? And, and as I was praying and preparing for us this morning, it became clear that in Paul addressing Archippus, Paul was not only sending a message to Archippus, he was sending a message to us all. And he was sending a message to us all, how do we know this to be true? We're going to look in Ephesians in a different letter that Paul actually wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. And here Paul, again, he's writing to followers of Jesus in verses 11 and 12. And he says this. Paul writes, And he, being Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Not just Archippus, all the saints, Paul's saying, all the whole purpose of the church, of, of the gifts that God gives, the whole point is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Paul is saying to us, he's like, you guys, I don't want you to get to the studio and be surprised. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and then realize what this was all about. Paul's like, I'm going to be super clear. I want you to know right now who you are and why you are here. So the first question that we're going to answer this morning is, who is a saint? Who is a saint? Uh, the literal Greek word for saint is hagios, which means set apart by God for God. Set apart by God for, God for God. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have uh, put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you believed he rose from the dead, you are a follower of Jesus. You are a Christian, and God has taken you from the world and placed you into his family. You are no longer an orphan. You are a part of God's family, part of God's kingdom. You have been adopted you have been made new, and a saint is part of the kingdom of God. If you are saved, friend, you are a saint. If you are saved, you are a saint. And that maybe messes with some of our thinking here, and I agree with that because I've, I'm still working on fully owning this fact because I think, we think, that our identity is based on our performance or our production or our doing or our being. But that's not at all true. God is saying, no, if you, if you are a part of my family, you are a saint. It is true of you today. Your sainthood, your identity as a saint is not based on you. It's based on the already completed work of Jesus. It's true of you today, right now. In all your yuck, you are a saint. If you are saved, you are a saint. So this is who you are. It's your identity. And now listen clearly and closely. So it is your identity, friend, your identity as a saint that positions you for your purpose. Because you are a saint, you have purpose. You are a part of the kingdom of God and you have a purpose. So what is your purpose? Let's look again at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. 
Again, Paul's saying God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, teachers, all to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry. For the work of ministry. Your identity as saint positions you for your purpose, which is ministry. Ministry. And again, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. I've been praying for each of us this morning here watching online, that we would fully grasp this today. Because we think that ministry happens up here. Ministry happens, the the people who are supposed to do ministry, we think, they're the people on staff. They're the people on the church's website. They're the people that someone deems them worthy enough to be in church leadership. That's who we think is supposed to be doing the work of ministry. Or we maybe have been told that if you're, you know, spiritually enough, like you're super spiritual kind of person, God could call you into ministry. That's like our American church culture mentality, and that's just not biblical. It's not biblical, friend. You, you, saint, are called and created for ministry. You and me, we are. And that is biblical. So this brings us then to our next question, which is what is the work of ministry? What is the work of ministry? We're gonna, I'm just gonna hit on some things to give us like clarity around what ministry work is that we are called to. But overall, what I want you to remember is that it's just not complicated. Ministry is your life. But I'm going to hit on these just to give us clarity so that we can like practically wrap our minds around this. Got it? Good. Okay, first ministry is, and if you have that, um, the notes in front of you, you'll notice the teacher in me purposely left some things blank so I can, we're following along together. Okay, ministry. First is sacrificial service. It is sacrificial service. The Greek word for ministry is diakonia, which just literally means service. And as Christians, what is the number one What is the number one image, number one act of sacrificial service, sacrificial love that we think of as Christians that really holds our Christianity to what it is in Jesus? It is in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, right? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus shedding his own blood on the cross on our behalf because of his love is the act of sacrificial love and service that we think of. Ministry is anything sacrificial that we do for another person to help, to build up, to care for, attend to. But ministry literally means it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. I think about Paul who wrote what we're reading this morning in Colossians. He's in prison. And he's in prison because of ministry. Ministry put him in prison. Ministry has cost me relationships. It's cost me energy, time, resources, a whole lot of heartache. Ministry costs us something, and that is kind of the point. It's sacrificial. Which brings us to our next point, which is that ministry is messy. I want to stand up here and I want to tell you that ministry is quick and simple, that 
that you can fit it into your 10 minute, 10 minute time slot, your one hour time slot in your week, into your nice schedule, and then you can go back to what you were doing. I wanna tell you that because I wanna believe that. But ministry is not a box to be checked because ministry is people. Ministry is people. Ministry is our yuck. It's our real stuff being shared and intended to. It's, it's addicts and their kids. It's mental health. It's suicide. It's relationship struggles. It's, it's everything. Ministry is so messy and it's going to stretch you further than you think and it's going to take you a lot longer than you'd ever expect. Ministry is just messy because ministry is people. Next, ministry is wherever you are. I wish 10 years ago I became a Christian and I wish I would have gotten like a like an instant download. You know what I mean? Like when you sign up for like a free download of something. It's like when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I wish I would have gotten like, here are all the things you need to know. Like this is biblical, this is not. This is one of the things that I think would have been on there if I would have got something, which is ministries wherever you are. It's between your two feet. Wherever you go, just as our identity Your identity as saint, just as your identity, is not location-specific, right? You don't become a saint when you walk into church. No, you just just are a saint, period. Just as that is not location-specific, the same is true for your purpose. Your purpose of doing the work of ministry is not set aside for any specific location. It's wherever you go, And friend, I just want to remind you that only you have the unique personality that you have. Only you have walked through those exact unique experiences and situations that you have walked through. Only your story is your story. And only you have been given the gifts and the talents and that skill set. And only you are in exactly that same exact position in that sphere of influence around those people at that exact time. No one else can be where you are. And there's a lot of work to do. Ministry is wherever you are. Next, ministry is others-centered. Others-centered. Paul, in our, in our scripture today, in verses 5 and 6, he writes this. He says, Live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. It's interesting, Paul here states the obvious. He's like, P.S., Guys, listen, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to believe what you believe. And Paul's like, here's what I want you to do with them. He doesn't say, I want you to shove the gospel down their throat. He doesn't say, I want, you to, you, I want you to have like five scriptures that combat the lifestyle that they're living and make sure that you have them memorized so that you can 
you know, give that to them and that, that that's going to cause them to repent and turn their life over to me and everything is going to be amazing. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I want you to be gracious. That's the same grace, he says, that you have been given from God. I want you to extend that to them. He says, I want you to sit with them. I want you to hear their pain. Listen to their lived experience. Know their heart. And I want you to sit there with them and love them right there. Extend to them the grace you've been given. Paul's like, that's our only hope, you guys. Like, that grace to them, loving on them right there, that's going to build rapport and relationship in such a way that they're going to be they're going to be interested and curious about who it is you serve. Ministry is others centered and PS the cool thing is you don't even have to worry about what to say. If your focus is just being and showing the grace that you've already received from God. Ministry is others centered next. Ministry is often unseen it's most often unseen. It is rare that that ministry involves a microphone. It's rare that ministry involves anything being seen in any way. A platform, a following, that's like our modern day Christian celebrity that is messing with our view of real ministry. Because ministry is often unseen. Why? Because ministry is people. People. The millionth diaper you've changed, the the meals that you cook, the long conversations, the showing up and staying, the the tears, all the things that are between you and other people, that's unseen. Most of it is maybe even just you doing things that maybe no one else even does see that you're doing for other people. That is ministry, and it's most often unseen. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 12, he says, This service, these services that you perform, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Yeah, it is. It's, it's helping them. But it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Your service, friend, it is your worship to and for God. Do not mistake visibility with ministry. Next, ministry is rooted in prayer. This is one, I mean, all these I really need to be reminded of, but this is one I really need reminding of. Um, He starts out, Paul writes in our uh, passage this morning in verse 2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Why, right? Paul's opening this this part of our letter with this reminder because Paul's like, don't forget, I want you to know prayer is what's going to sustain you in ministry. Prayer is what's going to fuel you being able to give your life as an offering in ministry. Why? Because when we position ourselves in a posture of prayer, we're we're recognizing, we're saying, God, you alone are God. You alone are able. You alone, God, are worthy. And in recognition of all you've done and who you are, now I I can position my heart in this place of surrender 
in this place of need and dependence, I can make my requests to you, my, my wants, my needs, my desires, in this place of surrender, I can do that. Paul's like, this is what's going to fuel you in ministry. Ministry is rooted in prayer. Next, ministry is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. Oh, friends, like, I think of this, what in the world could be better than Jesus showing up right here, right now? What could be better than Jesus giving this message? <laughs> like, what could be better than Jesus having coffee with us every day, all day? Dreams. What could be better than that, right? What's interesting is Jesus, I, when he is about to leave his people, his disciples, his followers, when he's getting ready to leave and depart from them, this is what he tells them in, in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good. Some translations say to your benefit. It is better for you that I go. Because unless I go, the advocate, other translations say the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, unless I go, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Not, not a lesser version of the spirit of God, not a mini version. The spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you. Ephesians chapter 1, it's not up here, but Ephesians um, in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says that when you believed in the message of the gospel, when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Friend, when you placed your faith in Jesus, God put his spirit inside of you. What could be better than Jesus here in the flesh? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead inside of all of us. Ministry is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. The spirit of God knows where to go, what to say, how to, how to act, and, and all the things. Your job, we get to surrender to him. Some, some scriptures should be coming up. John 14, verse 26 says, But the helper, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all the things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he, he's going to guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not, we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Friend, ministry is not dependent on you. The Spirit of God is alive inside of you, and he wants to lead you and guide you and teach you and show you and speak to you. You get to just get out of the way. It's the best parenting advice I can ever give. Just this week, one of our kiddos had a, a tricky situation and, and, and they came up to me and said, Mom, what should I do? 
I said, I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Plus, if I did know, which I kind of wanted to say something, but I'm like, don't, because it's probably not going to be right, or I'm going to be convicting you and not the Lord anyway. So I'm like, I don't know. Ask. Ask Holy Spirit. Like, you have your personal counselor, the counselor, alive inside of you. We get to start doing that. We can ask Holy Spirit, and we can help others and, and point others to do the same. He knows. He will guide us. He will show you ministry is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. Next, ministry is activating Christ's power. Christ's power. A few years ago, the Lord awakened me that I, to the fact that I had not been experiencing the fullness of God. And since that time, my prayer has been, Lord, awaken us to the power that comes with our position in Christ. In our day, in our generation, like now, awaken us to this. Let's wrap our minds around this. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and I hope the, oh, good job, slide people. Thank you so much. I said, good luck keeping up. <laughs> Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to his followers. He comes to them and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Which, that makes sense, because you're Jesus. We get that. But then, the crazy part is then what he does next. In Luke 10, verse 19, he says, He says, Behold, I've given you authority. What? Yeah, he says, I've given you the authority now. The, the authority I have, I'm giving it to you to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Side note, that does not mean things are not going to get hard. What he's saying is the enemy, the, the one, Satan himself, who always only wants to kill, steal, and destroy every good thing that... that that the word says about you, the enemy, he's going to come and he's going to tell you that who you are, what, we've, what we're talking about, is, is not actually who you are. And he's going to try to tell you that what you have is not actually what you have. And you, though, because of my authority, Jesus says, and because I'm giving you authority, you have authority to tell the enemy to go back to hell. That's the authority I'm giving you. You do not have to play the game of, of listening to Satan's lies. That's the authority you have as a follower of Christ. But we aren't activating it because we just don't know. Jesus is saying, you have authority. I've given it to you. You have access. What's so interesting, friends, we've been saved from so much. We've been saved from sin, from eternal separation from God. We have brought, been brought into the kingdom of God and the family of God. We Whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved and we will be able to live with him forever. And in the meantime, we have been saved for important ministry work. We, there is a mission and it is important and we have been given his power to literally bring heaven down to earth. Right here where we are in our workplaces in aisle nine at Walmart, wherever you are. We, Jesus did not give us power, his power, to just come and be comfy on a Sunday morning. 
Jesus gave us his authority so that we could do the kingdom work. John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you, I, I very truly I tell you, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Ministry is activating the power that comes with your position in Christ. And if this is new to you, welcome to the club. Uh, we just finished up a class this weekend on learning to minister like Jesus. That class will be coming up again in the fall, but don't wait. And even if you don't attend here, you're watching online, you can sign up for that and just come to the class. But don't wait. You can get this book too and, and kind of dive into like, what is she even talking about? Grab this book, Demonstrating the Kingdom by Derek Morphew. Demonstrating the Kingdom by Derek Morphew. Next, ministry is multiplication. Paul writes in chapter four, Colossians chapter four, verses three and four. He says, pray for us too, that God will give us, in prison he's saying this, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ, which is the good news of Jesus. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. This message of Jesus, the best news ever told, the whole reason for the apostles and the teachers and the pre all the people, the whole reason for Jesus giving any gifts of any kind is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry and proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 28, 28, and eight, uh, 28 verses 18 through 20, Jesus continues, he says, all authority has been in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, so what do I want you to do? I want you to go. Go. Make disciples of all the people, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I've taught you. Open up my word with them. Bring them along for the journey and tell them, I don't know what I'm doing, but I kind of want to know more. Do you want to know more? Open up scripture with them. Jesus did not entrust his kingdom growth to the news outlets, to the judicial systems, to the government, or to the schools. Jesus entrusted his kingdom growth to you and to me. If we got that, friends, we would not need to spend $20 million on a Jesus ad at the Super Bowl. Because we would be living it out. Your life, friend, is ministry. And we are to multiply his kingdom. Oh. Next, <laughs> ministry is obedience. This is our last point. Ministry is obedience. And worship team, you can make your way up if you wouldn't mind. Luke writes in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, I consider my life worth nothing. Nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Sounds familiar to our main verse this morning, the verse that God just had me stuck on for us this morning, where Paul says, be sure, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. 
carry it out, fulfill it, complete it, don't stop. You don't retire from sainthood. You don't retire ever from the work of ministry. Be sure to complete it. Friend, what you've been given, where you are at any given time, that is a gift from God. And you are responsible to obey that and to use whatever he's asked of you, whatever the cost, because our aim is to get to the end of our lives and to hear Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. We want to hear the master say, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Now let's celebrate. Friend, your life is ministry, and it is obedience. Be sure, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. You are a saint, and you are called to ministry. Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray over you if you're able to stand, and if you're watching online, um, please stand if you can. forgive us. Forgive us for being so comfortable. Forgive us for getting so complacent with everything that keeps us so consumed and distracted. Forgive us. Forgive us for taking your blood for granted. Jesus, awaken us. Give us bold, bold, bold clarity that even in our weakness, we are saints. You call us saint. You have called us out of darkness into your light. And we are saints, Lord. Help us to own that identity. Jesus, awaken us to what you've called us to do. Awaken us to the fact that your blood is running through our veins. Your power is alive inside of us. Lord, wake us up to this mission you have called us to, right where we are. Open our eyes, open our ears, give us burdens for what burdens your heart, Lord. Help us, equip us, sustain us. Lord, may nothing contain your power within us. Help us to carry out the ministry that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.